the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Tuesday, August the 25th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on August 25, 1944, during World War II, Paris was liberated. Allied forces came in and liberated them after four years of Nazi occupation. Today, in 1718, hundreds of French colonists arrived in Louisiana. Some of them settled in what is now present-day New Orleans. 1718. Today in 1916, President Woodrow Wilson signed an act establishing the National Park Service. He put it within the Department of the Interior. Today in 1958, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a measure providing pensions for former U.S. presidents and their widows. Today in 1967, George Lincoln Rockwell. He was the founder of the American Nazi Party. He was shot to death in a parking lot at a shopping center in Arlington, Virginia. No, a redneck who <clears throat> was driving a pickup with a flag in the back of it who's going to vote for Donald Trump didn't shoot him. A member of his own party did. John Patler shot him because John Patler didn't feel that he was Nazi enough. He wasn't going far enough with his Nazism. Today in 2012, Neil Armstrong 82 years old. He commanded the historic Apollo 11 lunar landing on the first man to set foot on the moon in July of 69. He died today in 2012, 82 years old, Cincinnati, Ohio. Today in 2009, Senator Edward Kennedy died. He was 77. You may recall he had a battle with a brain tumor. He died today in 2009 in Hyannisport, Massachusetts, Boy, a lot of people died today. Today in 2018, Senator John McCain of Arizona, he died. He was 81. He'd been battling brain cancer for more than a year. I don't want to see how many more people died today. Do you? <laughs> Did you watch any of the um, Republican National Convention last night? I did. I watched a lot of it, most all of it. The Democrats came out. Typically, as expected last night and again this morning, trashing the the word they used repeatedly was chaotic RNC. Now, I got to tell you, I've been around some television over the years, produced executive produced my own TV show daily for 12 years, over 3,000 programs that aired on network television. I know a little bit about I'm not great, but I know a little bit about producing TV shows. That was extremely well done. And the Democrats' uh, event last week was pretty well done as well. The people, the actors, <laughs> the players of the Democrat didn't do all that well. I mean, frankly, I didn't think they did. I didn't care whether they did well or not. I was more interested in what they said. They didn't say a whole lot last week. This thing with the Republicans, I got to tell you, and yes, I'm a Republican. I understand and I have some bias. I wouldn't be a Republican if they didn't represent the values and views that I hold, and I think many of you would agree with me on that. 
I'm not a Democrat first. I'm a Christian first and foremost by far. And the Democratic Party seems to have been and are aligned more closely with what I believe than any other political party. And that's why I am that. And that's the process by which I make those decisions personally. And I think many of you do as well. But anyway, I thought they did a great job uh, last night. And I think there'll be more to come. I thought it was very well produced. And I thought that the people who spoke, I got the feeling during the week of the Democrats, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I I checked in on a lot of it just to get the tone of it. But I, I read most of the text of what people were saying during the week just so we could be informed on for this radio program but i i the feeling i got last night watching the various speakers and they were from a lot of different backgrounds and and so on very interesting but the feeling i got is that they were talking to me not at me maybe donald trump jr was a little bit at the audience he was pretty animated That's the kind of guy he is, I think, from what I've seen. But generally, they were talking to the audience, not at the audience. And boy, that makes a lot of difference, I'll tell you, a lot. So I think they really connected. We'll see. The numbers aren't out today as far as who was watching, but I think it will. whatever it was, it will build throughout the week. But the message was one that I felt so comfortable with. But basically, the Democrats came out late last night and then this morning, and they're using the word chaotic a lot. Have you ever noticed they use the same word over and over and over again? I mean, they do in their criticism. They'll get on a track, and the the news media will use that word. The Democrats will use that word. I mean, it's all kind of almost a phrase gets formed around that word, and they repeat it and repeat it. Then the next day you see it in newspaper stories, the same thing. It's it's interesting how that works. You talk about an echo chamber. They are the world's greatest echo chamber. But anyway, nobody was expecting the Democrats to praise the Republican National Convention, I don't think. But some of their criticism was so far out there, even CNN, even CNN, an anchor there, had to comment, they said, it wasn't, it was a pretty good presentation. Trump's chaotic convention, some of the guys on CNN was saying, highlights the failed leadership of the GOP and the White House and the Senate. The Democrats were tweeting, they oversaw a failed pandemic response and sat on their hands and families cried out for relief and all this guy, it was going all over the place last night. But it was interesting that CNN's Wolf Blitzer who's been around there for 200 years, I think. Wolf Blitzer, who who really doesn't like Trump, probably hates him. He really doesn't like him. He said it was very well produced, the, the presentation, and he said it was very efficient. I think he said that with a little bit of trembling and fear because it was very efficient. It connected with the audience, however many were watching it last night, we'll learn later today. But uh, what, however many were, they it connected with them. There's no question about it. After all the renting, the Republican National Convention's first night, some of them calling it on Twitter apocalyptic, nihilistic, dishonest, on and on and on. MSNBC's S.E. Culp, one of their main people on there. Cope said it was well-produced and highly effective. Same words. 
They repeat each other. It doesn't matter whether they're giving a little bit of praise to the Democratic or the Republican presentation or if they're if they're demeaning something or Trump or whatever. They use the same words over and over again. They can't think for themselves. That is part of the problem. Monday, Pelosi had a meltdown. She was still talking about it last night on the news. She just really made a fool of herself. She threw a tantrum on live TV in the House, House of Representatives. This temper tantrum, she, she got so angry at Trump. I think they're beginning to feel that it's beginning to turn around. Biden still leads in the polls by, depending on which poll you look at, 10 to 11 or 12 points. But I think I think they've got a feeling that things are starting to turn, and I think they're right. I think things are. I pray that they are. Thousands are praying that they are, as you well know. I hope you're one of them. But she threw this tenor, uh, temper tantrum and on, on, the, on the floor, and she just kept going. And finally she said, they're just talking about Trump, the president of the United States, and the people who support him. She said, they are just enemies of the state. Well, that's a pretty powerful term for the Speaker of the House to be accusing the president and the people who elected him. That's very, that's a legal term. And that was not lost on the media, the secular media. And they were going, no, that might be a little too much, Nancy. You better back off that because that could have legal implications. But the feeling I got last night personally, and again, I'm coming from a conservative Christian point of view, but the feeling I got was reflected by someone whom I don't agree with often on Fox News, Dana Perino. She was the um, she worked in the Bush administration. She was uh, the person you would see hold the press conference. She was I think she was the chief press person for Bush. I don't remember what her title was, but she was always the one that held the press conferences on behalf of the president. Like you see now, Trump has his person there and, and so on. She Dana Perino, that was her job. And uh, she did pretty well. So she's very closely aligned with the Bushes. And the Bushes are working to defeat Donald Trump in this election, George W. Bush in particular, but his wife and and others as well. Um, So you never know for sure where she's coming from. But here's what she said. She said the Republicans hit more policy areas in the first hour of their convention than you saw detailed in the Democratic convention over four days. And that was exactly true. They touched on all the issues that are important to all the people. She said, and this is this is a quote. She said, um, well, I was going to say that earlier in the first hour of this convention because someone else had said it on this panel that they had on Fox. She said they hit so many policy areas that um, basically more policy areas in the first hour that you saw detailed in the Democratic convention over four days. There was a lot to show about the president's record. I think Senator, excuse me, Senator Tim Scott, Republican from South Carolina, is a national treasure. I'm still quoting Perino. She said his story is incredible, but also he was able to show the contrast between the Republicans and the Democrats with a smile. And there's something to be said about that as well. And he does smile. He's a really good guy. I don't know him personally, but I've watched him and I've paid attention to him. He tells the story. He is a, a, a Republican from South Carolina. And uh, he's a senator. And uh, he tells his story, how he grew up in the cotton fields. And he said, man, you know, he just grew up working, picking cotton. He said, man, that was my life. And he said, but in this country, this country is so great that he said, I was able to get a bit of an education. Then I was able to run for a political office. And he said, now I'm 
in the Senate. He said, I'm in the Congress of the United States of America, the greatest country in the world. He calls his story his personal story. Maybe he's written a book about it. I don't know. But he calls his personal story from the cotton fields to Congress. And he says, only in America can that happen for somebody like me. And he smiles. And he says, black folks aren't suppressed. He said, we just got to go out and make it happen. Very interesting. Very interesting. He said, America is the greatest nation on earth. One of the other speakers, Herschel Walker, he said the same thing in his own words. Herschel Walker is someone that many people know well from his football career. He was an outstanding football player. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. That's the best football player each year is awarded the in college, is awarded the Heisman. It's very sought after, obviously. He played in the NFL for, I think it was 12 years. And he played. He was one of the speakers last night as well. If you saw it, you, you perhaps heard him. But he said, it hurts my soul to hear the terrible names people call Donald. <laughs> he said, the worst one is racist. Let me quote what he what he said. He said, if, if, if Trump is anything, he's not a racist. Here's what he said. He said, I've known him for a long time, and he has, 37 years. Here's a quote from Herschel Walker last night. He said, I take that as a personal insult that people would think that I've had a 37-year friendship with a racist. People who think that don't know what they're talking about. Growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism. He's black. I've seen racism up close. I know what it is. And it isn't Donald Trump. Just because someone loves and respects the flag, our national anthem, and our country doesn't mean that they don't care about social justice. I care about all those things. So does Donald Trump. He showed how much he cares about social justice in the black community through his actions, and his actions speak louder than the stickers or slogans on a jersey. Talking about his former football colleagues and current people in the NFL, he said, and the NBA, for that matter. He says, keep on fighting to improve. He keeps on fighting to improve the lives of Black Americans and all Americans. He works night and day. He never stops. He leaves nothing on the field. He said he admires uh, Trump as well because he's a caring, loving father. And he said he treats everyone the same. Walker said where he's misunderstood sometimes, speaking of Donald Trump, who he's been a friend of for 37 years. Walker said sometimes people see Trump and how tough he is when he's in pursuit of the goals. But Walker said in the life, as in football, that's what's often needed to get the job done. He said, and I'm quoting this, he said, some people don't like his style, the way he knocks down obstacles that get in the way of his goals. People on the opposing team didn't like it when I ran over them either. But that's how you get the job done. He said, I pray every night that God gives him more time. Give him four more years. He's accomplished so much, almost all by himself, under constant attack. He said, there's still much more work to be done. If you love America and want to make it better, Donald Trump is your president. He's my president. And I'm blessed to call him my friend. That was kind of the tone of what was going on last night. I had to think of the verse that Paul wrote to the Philippians. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I thought of this in these chaotic times when people are yelling, screaming, shooting, killing one another, burning down buildings. Wisconsin, Kenosha is on fire. I mean, it was like Seattle or Portland last night. But Paul wrote to the Philippians, 
in troublesome times. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, or probably more correctly in the language of the Bible is meditate. Not just think, but meditate on these things. We live in a chaotic world. There's no question about that. But I will tell you that in the midst of the storm, we've got to be informed. And we are fully capable as God's people of being fully informed and fully at peace. Because we have the peace of God. Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace, not as the world gives, give I unto you, but my peace, his peace, which passes all human understanding. How can you be so peaceful with all of this going on around you? Aren't you panicked? Aren't you so fearful that you're afraid to take a breath? You might get a virus or whatever. Yes, I can be at peace. And so can you and so can all of us because of the peace of Christ that comes to the heart of the believer. And so in that context, we can be informed what's going on, and we can lay it at the foot of God himself on the altar, so to speak, of our mind and our mental capacity. And we can simply say, God, your peace fills my heart. And I'm going to meditate on how great you are. Great is our God. How wonderful, how faithful you've been to me. How faithful you've been to all who follow you and serve you. How much you love us. How you have forgiven me of my sins and so on. That is the process of, of meditating on God's word. we got all this Eastern mysticism junk being kind of infused into Christianity today. Be fully informed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about meditating upon God himself, and upon his word. Think on these things. Take a break. But it doesn't mean that you take this position of denial and say, well, I, not, this isn't going on. I'm just not going to recognize this. I heard somebody say the other day, who claimed to be a Christian, they said, I'm just not going to identify with what's going on in the world. I'm not going to accept that it's reality. Well, you know, if you're driving through a city somewhere, many of our cities, you better accept reality. Otherwise, you could get your car turned over and you could be jerked out of your car and beat to death. I mean, these things are really happening. We're not in denial. God's people doesn't have to, don't have to live in denial. We can live in the truth of what's happening because we live in the truth, the eternal truth, and the peace of Jesus Christ. But we live in a confused time. There's no question about that. I want to talk to you a little bit about a confused pastor today. A couple of them, in fact. It's a pastor in a Georgia mega church. You've heard of the church. I'll tell you what it is in a moment. But he's running for the U.S. Senate. He says he believes legalized abortion is consistent with Christianity and biblical teaching. He's a doctor, reverend, pastor of a mega church. He says, I will fight to ensure that abortion remains legal if you'll elect me. God bless you. <laughs> Put all that together for a moment, but that's that's the time in which we live. 
The pastor was asked by a reporter in Georgia and Atlanta just this week. He said, this reporter said something to the effect, he said, aren't your pro-choice beliefs and those of the Democratic Party, he said, aren't they kind of at odds with your role as a pastor, a, a leader in the church, a man of God? Obviously, this guy wasn't quite connecting all the dots on this, and they're hard to connect. I mean, God is the giver of life, the creator of life, and now they're saying that God, in his word, endorse abortion. Abortion in the name of the Lord? Well, that's what we're looking at here. This Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock. You may not recognize his name, but you'll recognize the church he pastors. Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yeah, that Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. He's running for the Senate. That's where Martin Luther King grew up. He's trying to unseat Republican U.S. Senate uh, Senator Kelly Loeffler, in November's election. Like I said, you may not recognize his name, but you certainly recognize the church. Ebenezer Baptist Church is where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was baptized, he was ordained, and he preached his first sermon, and he served as co-pastor with his father, who was a pastor of the church until 1968. So that church has a rich history, and we see it show up in the news, and it did just last week. But we see this show up often because it is it stands for something. It represents, and MLK kind of launched his ministry out of that church because he was born and raised there. Family members, a number of them, of MLK, they say that MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., and his father were not pro-choice. Often these people say they were. Some of these guys, like the present pastor there, this Warnock, but the family says, no, they weren't. Neither was their granddad. They did not believe in abortion. I've read that from a number, not just Elveta, but others of the Martin Luther King family. And they say, no, 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 Our family wasn't pro-abortion, ever. The current pastor, though, of this 6,000-member church, he not only believes in it, but he's also an advocate for it. So when he was asked about this, this reporter drilled in a little bit, and he said, how do, you, how do you match this up with your role as a minister? Here's what he said, the pastor. He said, I believe that health care is a human right, and I believe that it's something that the, rich, that the richest nation in the world provides for its citizens. And for me, reproductive justice is consistent with my commitment to that. There's a transition in his words there. I just pointed out, I won't labor it, but he's talking, he starts out talking about what he believes. He's asked about how this squares up with his role as, as a minister and with the with biblical teaching about killing people. He transitions immediately to his beliefs. So what these people do is they establish their beliefs based on cultural, secular, uh, secular culturalism, and they base their beliefs on that, what's politically expedient. Joe Biden does that all the time, and he has done that. And then they begin to construct around that a biblical context that supports what they say they believe. So they try to have it both ways. That's why Paul was very direct when he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're not transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning Jesus Christ living in you. I'm not being judgmental. You can fill in the blanks for yourself. But I am saying I am talking about what these people say and what they act on as their biblical beliefs. They're not biblical beliefs. That's what the secular, progressive, Christian, so-called Christian left, that's what they do every time. 
So they create their own belief system. Then they take the scripture and they take their feelings about the scripture and they construct this worldview that isn't a biblical worldview, but it looks like and it sounds like a biblical worldview to people who are not very well informed. So his commitment is to the notion that if you declare killing of unwanted unborn babies is legal under the Constitution or whatever, and your government will pay for it, it's a moral right under that Constitution. That is so far left, that's so relativistic. That has nothing to do with biblical a biblical view. But it's a typical uh, position of the far-left progressives. But should this be a position that's held by Christians? Reverend Warnock says, and I'm quoting him, I believe unequivocally in a woman's right to choose. And that decision is something that we don't want government engaged in. That's between her and her doctor and her minister. And I will fight for that. It had to occur to me when I heard his words, what about the father? I suppose, and I guess he's presupposing that the father isn't even involved in this. And maybe he isn't. I don't know. But abortion comes down to not God choosing and giving life, but it comes down to the mother, her doctor, and her minister. And I will fight for that. He pressed on. He said, do you think it's consistent with God's view that God endorses the millions of abortions we've had in this country since Roe v. Wade, this journalist asked? He said, it's consistent. The pastor said, it's consistent with my view as a Christian minister. And I'll fight for that. And turned and walked away. <laughs> it's amazing. But if you, go to the, if you go to the website, and I wrote it a, a broader and a more extensive article on this today at faithandfreedom.com. Dot us faith and freedom dot us it's faith and freedom daily i write an article every day and half since 2004 published out across the country it it just goes to people who ask for it subscribe but it doesn't cost anything but you can get it all you have to do is just you'll see a, a little uh, tab there you can click it and get this article i write every day sometimes i cover a lot of what I wrote in the article on this radio program, sometimes not so much. It just depends on what's going on at the moment. But today I wrote about this in, in more detail, and you can look there, and I, I direct you with links to the Christian Left website. It's bizarre. And they they take this whole idea of abortion and everything to, to an unbelievable, in the name of the Lord, they do this. The first opening line under the abortion section of their website says abortion is a made-up issue designed to coalesce a right-wing political movement. It isn't even mentioned in the Bible unless you consider the obvious implications of an ordeal in Numbers chapter 5, and it goes on, it goes down from there. So all of this is there. I would encourage you to take a moment and read it. I also want to take just a moment and thank you for your support. We need it. It's vitally necessary, and I know that you know that, particularly those of you who support us. Thank you so much. If you're considering it, this would be a great time for you to stand with us, join up, and help us do what we do every day on the radio. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. And there's a tab there that says Donate. You can click that and you can donate online as well. But we do need your help. And thank you in advance for standing with us. And thank you for your prayers and encouragement. 
They mean a lot to us. Not everybody agrees with what we're saying on the radio. I'm sure you would know that. And so we, we stand some resistance, but thank you for standing with us. It means a great deal to us personally. Well, we'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow.